going to open God's Word in just a moment, but some people have been asking me um, about where we are going um, uh, in, well, a week on Monday now when we move, and uh, we're moving to a village called King Sutton, uh, where I'm going to be the, the minister of King Sutton Baptist Church, um, that's it, um, looks rather nice, doesn't it? Um, there's a, that tree's gone on the right there, that got disease, but that's gone. Um, what you can't see is our house just there in that bit of blue curtain. So we're going to be living right next door to the church. Uh, King Sutton Baptist Church is about 47 members, uh, get around 60 on a Sunday. Uh, but it's in a community of two and a half thousand people. Um, it's a village, it's a dormitory village, uh, so lots of people work in London. There's a direct train into Marylebone. Um, so it's, uh, it's a village, it's got commu- village community life, but it's also got this wider uh, kind of cosmopolitan um, culture within it as, as well. Uh, they run a messy church. Uh, it's kind of like our stepping stones that we have here. And uh, at their last one, their summer barbecue, they had 70 families from the community. Sorry, 70 people from the community. So uh, it, it's, there's a good work to be done there. And uh, the church has got a real heart for its community and for reaching out. And uh, I'm going to be going and getting involved in that. And, uh, and, and becoming part of that. Um, Bex is going to be uh, involved as well in many different ways. She's already been asked to be on the committee for the, um, the uh, local preschool. Uh, so she's excited about what God's going to be doing there as well. And, uh, and, and Noelle is, is excited for her new bedroom. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all good. But, uh, yeah, we'll be moving there a week on Monday. Um, so just wanted to give you a glimpse of where we're going because people... Uh, have, have been asking. And if you want to know what's going to be going on and what we're going to be doing, um, we're actually going to get organised and we're going to uh, start out um, a prayer letter to keep folk informed, whether it be once a term or once a month, uh, I don't know yet. Um, but we've got a sign-up sheet in the entrance. If you want to keep in touch and find out what's, what's going on in the McDonald's lives and ministry, then, uh, then do sign up out there um, and uh, we'll endeavour to, to keep you informed. Um, but, but yeah, please do pray for us. As, uh, as we move and as we start in, in pastures new. We're going to open God's word now. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you, could you turn to Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 22 to 34. And we'll come to those in just a few moments. An exasperated husband asked his wife, why are you always worrying when it doesn't do any good? She quickly piped back, Oh, yes, it does. 90% of the things I worry about never happen. (laughs) We start our final journey into the book of Luke with a command from Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. It's safe to say that we like to worry. We worry about things big or small. I suspect that each of us has uh, some form of worry going on right now. We may have pushed it to the back of our minds, or it might be, right there at the fore, but it's there. Did you know that worry is actually detrimental to your health? Excessive worry can cause symptoms from dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches and trembling to extreme cases where worry can suppress the immune system, bring on digestive disorders, cause short-term memory loss, bring on premature coronary artery disease and even heart attacks. Excessive worrying is bad for you. Yeah, it's something we all do. When I was a youth pastor in Stevenage, one of the things that I planned and led each year was the residential trip we made with the young people. Each year, about 40 of us would head to Buckton Towers in the village of Buckton, just down the A1. 
And uh, one year, while preparing for the residential, I was getting really worried. Worried that the young people wouldn't come. Worried about what would happen if they did. About what their parents would think of the weekend away. I was worrying if I could even do that job. I was feeling the weight of responsibility and excessively worrying about it. I was worried and concerned and stress was setting in. I wasn't sleeping properly and it got so bad that I burst a blood vessel in my eye. I had a physical response to the worry that I was feeling. The weekend actually went great and I had nothing to worry about because it was all in hand and everyone knew what they were doing. I've already said that I bet each one of us has worries in some way today. Perhaps some seem big, perhaps some seem small, but they're your worries. And this morning we're going to look at what Jesus says about them. Let's change the worry controlling you to Jesus liberating you. Let's read Luke 12, 22 to 34 together. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable, how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father God, we pray that you would uh, illuminate your word in us this morning, that it might be good nourishment to our souls, to our lives, and we might know you better and closer and show you better and more radiant through it. Amen. Last week we read of Jesus telling a parable about a rich man who produced a good crop on his farm. In his greed, he stored up everything he had been blessed with, much more than he needed. And in verse 19, the man said to himself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus tells the crowd that anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God will find that when they reach the end of their lives, they will discover they have stored in the wrong place. On earth, where... Those things would be of no use. So then, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus goes on to say to his disciples in today's passage. 
Jesus tells us not to worry. Not to worry about two things. Firstly, our lives and specifically food. And secondly, our bodies, specifically what we will wear. Let's take each one of these things and explore them a bit. I like food. Food likes me. I think you can tell that of late I've put on a bit of weight. In the last uh, two and a half years, I've put on around two stone. For most of us, that wouldn't be such a good thing, would it? But for me, it's been a really good thing. Most of you will know that I had a battle with cancer a couple of years ago. And uh, I had to have a stem cell transplant to get me working properly again. At one point in my treatment, I was losing about a kilogram of weight a day. And uh, I was eating a normal amount of food and still losing a kilogram of weight a day. I had to have these special milkshakes twice a day. Um, I think they're called scanty shakes. And um, they actually taste all right uh, to have these twice a day. And uh, each one had the same amount of calories as a roast dinner in it. Uh, each morning when the nurse came in to weigh me um, could have been a worry. But you know what? It wasn't. Because I knew that whatever the reading was, that a dietician was going to come in straight afterwards and tell me what I needed to eat for that day. I knew the hospital was going to provide me with good food. And honestly, Addenbrooke's food is actually fantastic. <laughs> I've never been in the position where I've had to decide if I'm going to have dinner or pay the electricity meter. But I bet some of you have. Make Lunch, a charity that helps equip uh, the church to provide meals during school holidays, estimates that 1.2 million children in the UK are on free school meals Monday to Friday during term time. And when it comes to the holidays, the parents of these children have to make a decision. For a family on a tight budget, £10 extra a week to provide lunch for their children could be the difference between catching the bus to work or turning the lights on or the parent going without food themselves. We've heard today about the food bank in Peterborough uh, being extremely low on stocks. Now I saw bags and bags of food out there last week that folk at church donated, and it's awesome that we're able to do that. But more is needed. People in our community are going hungry. And are we going to be, and they're going to be worried. And what does worry do? It affects your health. How can Jesus tell us not to worry about what we will eat? Step off that for one second. The church leaders have called the church to pray over the summer months, searching after God's heart and agenda for his church at this time. And uh, they have asked if the church will join them in fasting. See, fasting is a principle set out in the Old and New Testament. It's not a commandment, but it's an expectation. A quote I found says that fasting is a temporary renunciation of something that, in, that is in itself good, like food, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God and his work in our lives. Fasting is a tool to help us focus on God and his work in us. When we fast, we give greater emphasis to who God is. Fasting isn't about getting God to do something or to earn points, but rather it's an expression of a seeking closer union with him. Fasting is about humbling ourselves before God and expressing a hunger for the need and return of his kingdom. I've written a fuller theological rationale uh, to fasting, which is going to be emailed out to you this week. But can I encourage you to join the leaders in fasting for 24 hours, Monday evening to Tuesday evening, each week if you're able. 
perhaps as part um, of that, you could even donate the amount that the food would have cost you to the food bank this week and the weeks going forward. Having a choice of not eating is one thing. Being forced to choose is something else. Verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. In 2005, it was estimated that 30 to 40% of the food we produce in the UK was wasted. And yet people are going hungry. How can that be? I know we had to throw out some sweet potatoes yesterday. We just hadn't got around to eating them and uh, they'd gone rotten. But they could have made a perfect meal for three or four people. The birds find the food that is readily available to them. But people are hungry and we're throwing food away. It seems to me that we are responsible for the worry in people about where their next meal might come from. And we're also the solution. Verse 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Or put another way, the man who has two tunics should share, should share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. That's from Luke 3, verse 11. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Now, blokes, for a second, clothes, it's not just a woman's thing, is it? We all like to dress ourselves up in nice clothes. But buying clothes is also a feel-good thing, isn't it? It's not just a practical thing, it's a feel-good thing. We all want to feel good, and having clothes which make us feel good is important. I don't know, how often do you walk through a clothes shop and think, I've just got to have that top or those jeans? Partly it's our desire to have more stuff, and partly because of the message we're sold, that if we dress a certain way, in a certain brand of clothes, we'll live a certain type of lifestyle. The clothing industry is one of, the, one of many that promises to change our lives if we wear their brand. When I was a teenager, it was all about Adidas tracksuit bottoms. You had to have three stripes. If you had four stripes, that wasn't good. You were noticed, you were mocked, you were ridiculed, or you were in my school anyway. You were an outcast. <coughs> I was desperate for a pair of Adidas tracksuit bottoms. And eventually, I even had a navy pair with lime green stripes down the side. Oh yeah, that was cool. The pictures, though, I tell you, when I was a teenager, they say otherwise. <laughs> Clothing is about status. And as a teenager, I worried about it. Actually, as an adult, I worry about it. <coughs> Having the right thing to wear. Yet Jesus tells us, do not worry about what you will wear. But I think in today's context, we need to take this command a step further. So many other things have become extensions of our bodies. Just take this little black box as an example. Now, these things that we carry around with us. I'm going to be honest uh, with you. I really like Apple products. And I've kind of found myself buying into the whole Apple marketing thing. That is an iPhone 5S. Since that phone came out, there's been six updates. The iPhone SE, iPhone 6, iPhone 6S, iPhone 6 Plus, iPhone 7, iPhone 7 Plus. In September, the uh, 7S and 7S Plus will be released. And then in October, the iPhone 8 comes out. 
The Apple marketing machine tells me that I have to have the new tech because it will once again change my life, make it easier, better. The old phone isn't good enough anymore. A worry is created that it won't do, that I have to upgrade, that I'll be left behind, that I'll be outdated. Phones have become extensions of our bodies. And studies have been written to show that when you receive a text message or a tweet or a notification of some sort, uh, a small amount of a chemical called dopamine is released in your brain. Dopamine activates the pleasure centres in our brains and we feel enjoyment. Every time we receive a message, a little bit of dopamine is released and we feel pleasure. Our bodies become used to this and so expect it to happen. We become addicted to the feeling. I don't know if you've ever been waiting for a message to come through from someone and you're waiting and waiting, but it doesn't come. You start to worry that something is wrong. Panic sets in. Anxiety starts to build. You may smile. (laughs) You may laugh. But there are real cases of people struggling with crippling issues of anxiety relating to mobile phones and feelings of abandonment and withdrawal when they're not connected. While we're on it, anxiety that doesn't go away is also different to worry and is a medical illness that needs treatment. And I'd encourage anyone where the worry of something has become crippling, that it stops you living your life well, that you seek help. If you need help knowing where to go, come and ask and we'll point you in the right direction. But smartphones go a step further. Our smartphones and an anxiety disorder has been identified that goes even further in some people. With people having to be treated for the anxiety that they might lose the mobile phone or that it might be taken away from them. Their whole life has become connected into this tiny black box. Something which is supposed to be good has become a bad thing. On the issue of fasting again, when we fast, we do it from something that is good, not something that is bad. So if something is an addiction in our lives, fasting from it during a time to focus on God is not the answer. It's not about us gaining something from it, but rather a focus and a hunger for God. People whose lives become connected into their mobile phones or brands or whatever that promises them a better life. Yet verses 27 and 28 say, Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? I think when it comes to our bodies, to our lives, Jesus is trying to tell us that we need to have more faith that God will provide for our needs, rather than relying on the demigods our culture creates. Where do you put your faith? In having the latest smartphone or tunic or in the one who created the very things that they are made from? What are you worrying about today? Perhaps some big, perhaps they they seem small, but they are your worries. So how do you deal with them? I saw a news article this week about a clinical psychologist in London who uh, realised that half the people that she was uh, seeing for treatment could so easily have their issues resolved if only they had someone to talk to. 
So with the backing of the NHS, uh, she set up pop-up clinics in a park in Soho. People could volunteer to talk or to listen with professionals. Uh, sorry, people could either talk, uh, volunteer to talk or volunteer to listen to the people talking with professionals on hand for serious cases. The results were encouraging, that when folk talked about their worries, they were lessened. In the book of Acts, we read in chapter 2 and verse 44 that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They were together. They were together. Being together is the start of resolving our worries. Realising that we are not alone in our worry. If we're not a family together, brothers and sisters sharing life together, then we are not the church. Find someone you trust to share with. If you don't know who to trust, then come and speak to one of the staff team or the prayer ministry team or the church leaders and we'll listen to you or point you in the right direction. The verses in Acts go on a step further though. And in verse 45, it says that selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. So it was seen the disciples remembered the words Jesus spoke to them in Luke 12, verse 32. And then they realised that it was their responsibility to tackle worry head on by being the solution to people's lives, people's worries. Last week, our rich man built barns and hid away his resources for himself. Yet this week, Jesus is telling us to share what we have, providing purses that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. The result of generosity is the building of an account in heaven, a deposit account for the kingdom. And are we not kingdom people? Are we not kingdom folk? Do you view what you have as yours or belonging to and building up the kingdom? And as our passage ends, that's where we end today. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let us pray. Father God, I want to pray this morning for the worries of our lives. For each one of us that has worries in our mind right now. Maybe we're thinking about them, maybe we're mulling them over. Lord, I pray that you would bring your release and your liberation from them. That they would not affect us, that they would not hold us back, that they would not stop us from seeing your kingdom at work. Lord, would you give us a new and fresh freedom, I pray, to wait on you, to rely on you. And Lord, would you make this church this church is a generous church, Lord God, but Lord God, would you take it even further? Show it where it can move. Show it what it can do. Show this church how it can be your kingdom to those that need, just like your early church was, that all who needed had their need met. Lord God, we pray for your blessing. We pray for your guiding. We pray for your leading that our lives would not become our worries. But our lives would become acts of worship to you.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.